for your uh, time. Get, go ahead and get out your Bibles if you have one, and we're going to spend some time in it. I have um, I've studied quite a bit this week for, for this topic of time. We're in this series called Best Year Ever. And so if you're new to our church, maybe this is your first day or even second. We're in the midst of this series where I'm, I'm just dealing topically with some, some issues to help you think about how you can have your best year ever. And uh, so we'll be spending quite a bit of time in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, Luke is right here. He'd like to, like to get you one. Just slip up your hand, uh, and he'll be happy to, to get one to you. Um, so this issue of time, we, we want to think biblically about it, right? I mean, it's something that's really relevant to all of us. Psalm 90, chapter 12, the psalmist is praying to God like we are in this moment and saying, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. This has been my prayer for myself and for you all week, that, that God, in the midst of this, this study of the Scripture and what it says about time, that, that we would gain wisdom so that we can number our days and be very careful about how we live our days. Now, some of you are a little older, uh, or I wouldn't say old. I, I like to call you more seasoned. And so you have fewer days, uh, we think. And some of you are a little bit younger, and, and you have maybe more days, you think. But you never know, right? I mean, so we're saying to God, God, help me in the midst of this time to understand how I can think biblically about Time. So what I'm doing is I'm going to give you a really quick uh, overview of, of what the Bible says about time. I'm not going to be able to say everything I could, but I want you to know I read every verse I could find on this issue of time. And so I tried to uh, sift out kind of the high points and so that what will be built in your life is a really solid foundation theologically regarding time. So I'm trying to help you build a theology of time. So... It's interesting to think about, uh, think about time. First of all, I want you to understand regarding time, and it's a great starting point, that God created it. Do you know that? I mean, it's simple, right? But, but you should know that God created time. In the beginning, when he created light and darkness, he introduced the system that we recognize as time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth, and it was so. So God set in motion the days and the nights, the light and the dark, the seasons, the days and the years, so that we could measure time. We could measure the cycle of time. So God created it. So any good sermon about anything topically, begins with talking about God, not us, but God. But you should also know that God stands outside of time. He created it, but he's not bound by it. So God stands outside of time. One of the psalmists uh, recognized this by saying these words, your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Now, if one of your children say that to you, that's an insult, right? That means you're really, really old. Your throne has been around forever, dad or mom, you know, but, but this psalmist is acknowledging like you're, you're from, from very old. You are everlasting. Uh, you are before the ages, some psalmists say. So God created time. He stands outside of time. He's not, he's not bound by it. It's, it's as if you remember those old timey kind of film strips. I don't know if any of you are, are old enough to remember that you used to have these cameras where you'd take a picture 
and, and you would go to the, to the store to get it developed, and you'd get a little envelope with your photos in it, but it would also come back with these little, like, four-inch uh, film strips, you know, and you could hold them up to the light, and you could see your photos. Do y'all remember this? Okay. Some of the, like, 20-year-olds are like, no, I'm sorry, you know. It's really funny. The other day, my daughter came home with a disposable camera, and it blew her mind. Like, she's like, Dad, what is this? And then she began to get upset because she realized that once you take all the pictures, you take it in, and you don't get that camera back. You just get the pictures. So anyway, we've not... Anyway, so, so, so the film strip. So if you, if you look at that, you could see, for instance, the beginning of when you started taking pictures and the end. So you could kind of see it all in one shot, right? Well, this is how God views time. He stands outside of the film strip of history and he sees everything. He he stands in a different dimension. So he can see the beginning and he can see the end. He can see the middle. He can see all parts of it. This is how God stands outside of time. I mean, you're living one part of that film strip, but God stands outside of time. Isn't that awesome? It is really awesome, and it's a good reminder. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. I mean, God is not bound by time. God is not limited by time. You think, God, would you hurry? You've only got so much time to do this or do that. No, he doesn't. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants to do it, because he stands outside of time. God created time. He stands outside of time. He's not bound by it. To me, that's really refreshing. I mean, it stirs in my heart a love for God and a passion to sing songs to go, God, you are awesome. The Bible emphasizes, however, that God does have appointed times. It's not like he doesn't care about what's going on in history. The Bible emphasize, emphasizes the appointed times orchestrated by God. Now, something that you should know historically is that in the ancient Near East, which is the time that the, the Jews uh, lived as we talk about them in the Bible, that surrounding them culturally, people thought about time as circular and more abstract and random and not as purposeful. But whenever the Bible was written and God began speaking into people's hearts and revealing to them special things about the way he's working in the world, we see history moving in a linear kind of a way. So scripture frames history with a linear view of time, beginning with a decisive moment at creation, the passage in Genesis 1, and continuing through history, continuing through the history of the Bible, And as things went on, there are places in there where God designates certain events. So we see the evidence of the providence of God. And then it culminates in what's called the day of the Lord. Now, this is a hugely important topic, this idea of the day of the Lord. And we're not going to say a lot about it, but it's basically the end when Jesus returns. Time will cease being meaningful meaningful whenever we enter into eternity after the day of the Lord. So we're in this this time between when, 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 when God brought uh, light and dark and st- time started and, and then there'll be a day when, when eternity begins. And so we're in this period where God stands outside of time, but he's orchestrating events in the midst of it. God is doing things. He's moving history to a point. Now, many of you have heard this passage in Ecclesiastes where it says a time to do this and a time to do that. And we want to share it with you on the video. 
There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Your time is now. Make the most of it. So we recognize that God stands outside of time. But he chooses to work within time. Certain things will happen within the time limits that we have. For instance, God chooses to work within this time continuum to bring salvation to people. God is involved in history. He's involved within this metric that we call time. He's involved so that his purposes are advanced for his glory. Now, now I want to say more theologically about it, but I ought to pause here and give you some practical kind of things to think about. First of all, uh, this means that time is limited. Time is limited. Psalm 139, 16, the psalmist recognizes this when he says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, talking about the days, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So every one of us has a limited number of days. Isn't that incredible to think about? Maybe a little scary, too. Psalm 89, 47 Psalmist says, remember how short my time is. For what vanity you have created all the children of man. He's lamenting that his life is so short that his, his days on earth are limited. Psalm 414, a verse I quote quite often is, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes compared to eternity, right? Time is limited. We better take very seriously how we think about it. Another thing practically to consider is that you cannot add to time. You cannot add to it. Now, one maybe might argue that a way to add to time is to move to Ethiopia. I don't know if you know this or not, but in Ethiopia, they are seven years and eight months behind us. So if you did not have a good last five years and you like to do those over, just go to Ethiopia and you can relive those. They, they operate by a different calendar. It's really kind of funny. So anytime we go over there, we'll tell them, do you want to know what's happening in 2012? You know, but you really can't add to time. You can't. The amount of time between the, this moment and the moment you will breathe your last breath is set. Nothing you can do about it. 
Now, it sounds simple enough, but the reason I make a real point of it is because I think most people live like they can add time to their lives. You want to know how I think that or why I think that? Because most people are overcommitted. And when you overcommit yourself, what you're essentially saying is I can do more because I can somehow create more time. You are a limited, finite human being. And when you overcommit yourself, you get too busy. What you're essentially saying is I can find more time to do all that I've committed to do. But it doesn't happen. The result instead is that you get stressed. And then the important things begin to be pushed out of your life, like God and church and and your family. Time is limited. We have a certain number of moments left in our life. Let's get back to this idea regarding that God designate time. Do you know that when God orchestrates the events of history and does certain things, we see in the Bible an emphasis regarding, regarding Jesus. So all of the Bible in its uh, narrative, in its, in its movement of history, uh, moves to a place that emphasizes Jesus. So the Old Testament prior to Jesus moves to a place which is the birth of Jesus. And then after the birth of Jesus and his life and death and resurrection, the Bible emphasizes the point in history that Jesus came and what it means for our lives. So regarding time, you ought to know that the Bible emphasizes Jesus' place in time, particularly when he came. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, bear with me. For the scholars in the room, I'm going to have to quickly read these verses. And then there's so much that could be said about them. Galatians 4, uh, 4. But when the fullness of time had come. In other words, uh, that the time was right in history. All of the Old Testament and all that had been talked by the prophets. And all that God wanted to do in history to lay the stage for the arrival of Jesus. The time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So he was a Jew. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. So history points to this place where Jesus came in just the right time. And Jesus came on the scene. This is a message that he preached. He says in Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the time is fulfilled. This is the time. The kingdom of God is at hand. So when we talk about time, what does the Bible say about time? You ought to know that it... It revolves around Jesus. It also talks about the time that Jesus will return. Obadiah, verse 15 says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. Even the prophets of old look forward to this day. Mark chapter 24, verse 29, talks about the day that Jesus will return. Listen carefully. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. and The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So the Bible emphasizes the birth of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. So what does this mean? We've got to 
pretty good foundation theologically for our understanding of time. But what does it mean? I mean, what does it mean for tomorrow? Here's what it means. You absolutely must, without a doubt, no questions asked, make the most of your time. You must do it. You must make the most of your time. Paul's telling the Ephesians this in chapter 5, verse 15. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. In other words, they're escaping quickly. Make the best use of your time. And I can already tell you waste some. Okay, so do I. Okay, so let's just get it on the table. We ought to be making the best use of our time. If you didn't believe Paul, what he was saying to the Ephesians, maybe you'll believe what he said to the Colossians. He says in chapter 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, you say, okay, Russell, how do I do that? Here's the best starting place. You must commit to spend your time, organize your time around the thing that the Bible organizes time around. Jesus. You absolutely must. You must organize how you spend your time around the way the Bible organizes how time uh, passed. Jesus. Jesus must be the centerpiece. It can't be like, okay, Jesus is over here, and then my work's here, my family's here, my recreation's here. No, Jesus must be at the center. Jesus isn't the first priority when it comes to time. Jesus is at the center of all your priorities. We must make the most of our time, and it begins with a commitment to Jesus. Now, if you're here, and you've never heard that God loves you so much that when the time was right, Jesus came, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross, so that whenever you stand before God, he could see your sins forgiven. He died on a cross paying a penalty for your sin. You must repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you say, how do I make the most of the rest of my life? Well, starting right now, you commit your life to Jesus. You accept the forgiveness for your sin that's available to everyone. No matter how poor you are, how rich you are, no matter how, what color you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are. If you want the rest of your life to make the most of the time that God has given you, first, you must commit to Jesus. That's it. That's the starting place. And sure, you don't understand everything about Jesus. You don't understand anything about God. You have questions. I get it. You'll have questions until you stand before him and are able to ask them yourself. But it begins with Jesus. I want to make that very clear. I mentioned earlier in my prayer, there are churches all over the world gathering today. And I made special mention of the fact that we identify with those who are lifting up Jesus. Because not all of them are. So it's important for you to understand that as I say, hey, you've got to make the most of your time. As your pastor and as your friend... I want you to understand you must first commit to Jesus. You must think urgently about it. So you, you say, well, okay, Russell, all right, we got it. All right, so God created time. He stands outside of time. He's involved in time. Uh, and the way he involves himself is by emphasizing the arrival of Jesus and the return of Jesus. This is basically what it's just taken me 20 minutes to say. I said, <laughs> 
So next time I'll hurry. Um, so, so what does this mean? What does this mean practically? How can you make sure that your time is not wasted? Let's do this. Raise your hand if you feel busy. Just raise them up. Raise your hand if you feel busy. Yeah, most of you. Most of you, if I were to ask you three words that describe your life, one of the first three would be the word busy. Uh, people very often ask me, Russell, uh, are you really, really busy? And frankly, uh, there was a time in my life where I felt like it was kind of like a gold badge. Like, oh, I'm so busy. It made me feel important, right? But anymore, if, I can, if I'm telling them I'm busy, I realize I've not done a good job of managing the time that God has given me. I don't want the word busy to be a mark of my life. Now, full, sure. But I don't want to be viewed as somebody who's frantically running around trying to keep up with all they have committed to. And I want you to know, one reason I want to operate like that is because I know that if I don't, then my wife won't. If I, if men, Jeannie can't uh, organize our life uh, so that our time is not wasted, but we're not too busy, then our kids will be running around frantically. It, it goes on from there. And if I'm not able to organize my life, then, then, uh, then many of you will suffer as a result too. So how do you make sure your time is not wasted? Here's, here's very simple. You must budget your time. Now, about this Time and last Sunday morning service, I also was talking about budgeting, but I was talking about money. But it's the same kind of thing principally. So let, let me, speaking of money, and let me, let me maybe help you understand how you can spend your time in this way. So if you had the opportunity, you had a, you had a checking account, and each morning was deposited into your checking account $86,400. You were allowed to keep that checking account, but at the end of the day, you, you lost whatever was not spent. Or, and, and you couldn't ever spend more that was in there. What would you do? You would think very carefully about how to spend every cent, wouldn't you? Yeah, because you wouldn't want it to be wasted either way. You wouldn't want to overcommit yourself and plan on 90000 well, 86,400 represents the number of seconds you have every single day. It's the time that you have. So what I'm saying to you, if you want to know, how do I keep from wasting my time? You must budget it. Now, uh, I am a little um, OCD about this budgeting time thing. You can ask the guys on my team. I require them every, uh, every four months to turn in a calendar where every moment of every day is planned out. So... You can look at my calendar right now, and you can see when I plan to wake up, when 6.45, 7.45 is the morning routine with the kids. 7.45, I get to work about 8.15, 8 o'clock, 8.15. And, and some mornings I get up at 5.30 to read my Bible. And, you know, so I, I can tell you where I eat lunch, what I'm planning on doing, when I'm planning on exercising. You know why? Because I've I got a lot of responsibility, just like you. You must do the same thing. Some of you are wondering, how in the world can I make more time? You won't be able to make more time, but you can make better use of your time by budgeting it. You could sit down and plan out your time. You absolutely must do this. And, and principally, what you must think about is you ought to say yes to the best opportunities to spend your time and say no to some good opportunities. So you're not going to be able to take every good opportunity that comes your way. Some of them you will. But if you take every good opportunity to spend your time, then what you'll do is you'll not have time to take the best opportunities to spend your time. You must organize your time. You must budget it. Tell your time where to go or it will be wasted. I promise you. And I put on my calendar things like I'm going to take my son or my daughter on a, on a daddy, uh, daddy date. 
things like that. So that's, so that's another thing is you must think about what's most important to me. Is it important to you to take your wife out on a date? I hope it is. So maybe you can't do it every week or maybe ever, maybe you can do it every other week or once a month or whatever, but you ought to be putting that on your calendar. Cause what happens is life gets so crazy and so busy. What gets pushed out are the most important things. You know, what will get pushed out first your time with God. It will. There are some people here, not here this morning. This isn't to beat them up. There's some people not here this morning because they didn't manage their time well this week and they're exhausted this morning. What gets pushed out is the most important thing, which is their commitment to Christ. What gets pushed out are things like family. And you say, I don't even think I've had a really good relationship with my spouse or with my, I've not spent quality time with my children in weeks. And you know what will happen? The foundation that, is, that, that, that strengthens that relationship will begin to weaken and begin to crumble. And then all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness, how in the world did we get here? Well, it goes back to how much time you spent together. It's a little cheesy, but have you heard the phrase, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. I know, please don't tweet that. That's really ridiculous. What else is important to you? I hope that your time with God is important and time with family is important. Is exercise important to you? I think it ought to be. So maybe you'll plan during your week three times. I'm going to to walk or to run or I'm going to do, you know, whatever you like to do. Is quiet time important to you? I hope it is. It's funny because I get paid to be a Christian, but even I have to put on my calendar quiet time. I call it focus time. If you remember the first sermon I did this year and uh, I put, I, I schedule it on the calendar. I'm not thinking about the church. I'm not thinking about my sermons. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm just trying to spend time with God. Is that important to you? Put it on your calendar. And you would say to me, uh, man, that is important to me. Why don't you do it? It's not because you don't want to do it. It's because you've not managed your life properly to be able to do it. And then what you end up doing is doing stuff. That's an absolute waste of time. Like continually checking your Facebook. Uh, I mean, I've got a problem against Facebook, but I really think that Facebook has, has it tempts us to waste time. And, and Facebook isn't the only one. There are other things out there like that. Or you, or you watch an extraordinary amount of TV and you wonder, where did all the time go? But you know everything about what's going on in every TV show. So budget your time and you must do it well. Remember, you're not going to live an unlimited number of days. You must be reasonable, too. One thing you ought to do in budgeting your time is you ought to budget some time to rest. The Bible talks regularly about this idea of Sabbath. And uh, here's what I have to do for Sabbath rest. Sabbath in the Bible, it's one of the Ten Commandments. You're to take a day and rest. And oftentimes, uh, well, what it's talked about in the Bible is a day of worship. So maybe today is the Sabbath day for you. You come and you worship God and you thank God for how good he is and all of this. And then, uh, and then, you, then you rest physically. Well, for me, this, this is a bit of a work day. So here's what I have to do. I have to, to count part of my day Friday as, as like half a day. And then I try to take half a day on Sunday afternoon where I just rest. And I just I, I take a nap or I, I do whatever else is restful. You absolutely must do that. You can go, and if you're like your mid-20s, you can kind of burn red hot. Like, ah, just blaze, burn red hot, burn red hot. And you might make it into your mid-30s. But what's going to happen is you're going to age quicker, 
And you're going to burn yourself out on life if you're not regularly resting. God himself rested after creating all things. Why in the world do we think that we don't have to plan to rest? We ought to put these things in our schedule. And you say, oh, Russell, you're, you know, you're a little much, you know. I don't need to do all that. You know what you do? Paul tells the Ephesians, make the most of your time. Make the best use of your time. You know, I'm, I, uh, one of my favorite things about this church is that it's small, and I know so much about so many of your lives. And, and uh, the Bible talks about rejoicing together and mourning together. And, and this week, I'll be honest, I, the last couple of days I've been, I've been mourning with somebody in our church. I don't know if you know Jack and Natasha McAdoo, but Jack's mom has been near death for a while, and she passed two days ago. And some of y'all have had people recently in your lives die. And um, as I was talking to him on the phone about this last few moments where she's, she's laying there and she's 100% unresponsive and they're basically just waiting for her to breathe her last breath, I was reminded that someday every one of us will be there. And I don't know about you, but in those last few lucid moments, I want to be able to think back over the course of my life and say, I made the best use of the time that you gave me, Lord. You won't do it perfectly, and thank God for his grace and mercy. And when you mess up your schedule, I mean, I've got things scheduled during the week that I'll get a call and it will disrupt it or something will happen. I'll have to do a funeral or something. It'll disrupt my week, and it's okay. But it's better to plan and adjust than not plan at all. Will you be able to say in those last few moments of your time, I made the best use of my time? And I hope and pray that the best use of your time is for God's glory. Let's pray together.